Welcome to the Dr. Lori Morris podcast, where she interviews experts in health and science, sharing their expertise so you can live your healthiest life. This episode of the podcast is proudly sponsored by Fit Vegan Coaching, the world's leading whole food plant-based body recomposition program for Gen X and baby boomers. Founded by Maxime, whose personal journey began after losing his ex-fiance to breast cancer, Fit Vegan Coaching is on a mission to disease-proof the world through the transformative power of plant-based eating and fitness. This program is the Rolls Royce of plant-based coaching, offering all-inclusive services, personalized plans, world-class accountability, lifelong support, and more. Say goodbye to the yo-yo dieting and embrace a lasting transformation that will rev up your metabolism even post-transformation. Ready to take charge of your health and vitality? Head over to fitvegan.ca, that's fitvegan.ca, and mention Dr. Lori for exclusive bonus savings when you sign up. Don't miss this opportunity to join the movement towards a healthier, fitter, and more vibrant you. Are you tired of compromising between convenience and healthy eating? Look no further. Introducing Whole Harvest, your ultimate solution for wholesome plant-based meals. Whole Harvest is redefining the way you eat. Their meals are not only delicious, but also 100% whole food plant-based without any compromise. Whole Harvest takes pride in their approach. There's no oils, no added sugars, and low sodium. Plus, they have SOS free menu items available. I recommend Whole Harvest to my patients. They need convenient and compliant meals that can be delivered to their home. At Whole Harvest, you can reimagine your favorite dishes with a plant-based flair and enjoy menu items like the All-American Burger. Harvest lasagna and soba kimchi bowl. Whole harvest meals are chef crafted and made with high quality ingredients, delivered straight to your door. And guess what? They ship nationwide so you can enjoy whole food, plant based meals no matter where you are. And here's an exclusive offer just for our podcast listeners. Use the discount code PLANTS30 to receive $30 off your first order. Visit wholeharvest.com and place your order today. Again, that's wholeharvest.com. Your journey to delicious whole food plant-based eating starts here. This episode of the podcast is proudly sponsored by The Healing Kitchen, your path to vibrant health. Immerse yourself in the transformative program guided by the combined expertise of myself, Dr. Lori Marbus, and Chef Brittany Giroudi, who has lost 70 pounds on a whole food plant-based diet. Here's what's in store for you. Virtual weekly sessions. Engage in an immersive 60-minute virtual session every single week where you'll delve into the world of wholesome plant-based goodness right from your own kitchen. Cooking with Brittany the first half hour. Unleash your inner chef as you're captivated by Chef Brittany Giroudi's culinary mastery that will delight your taste buds and nourish your body. Medical Q&A with Dr. Lori the last half hour. Prioritize your well-being during the second half hour. I will personally address your medical inquiries, providing evidence-based insights and personalized advice, empowering you to make informed choices for your health. So join us on The Healing Kitchen to help you step into a healthier and most vibrant future. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Dr. Lori Marvis, and today I'm super excited to in, to have you guys uh, meet Ryan Hurst from GMB. And 
I've been a big fan of these guys for many years and I've watched many videos. So like many of you guys who watch the podcast might have familiarity with someone. I feel like I have this <laughs> Ryan since today's the first time we met. So welcome to the podcast, Ryan. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Yeah, so thank we're, you so much. I, I'm really excited to introduce people to what the concept of GMB is and how I think it's super helpful, especially in this age of sitting at desk and, you know, we're just, we're not moving like we naturally are, but could you just give a little brief overview of GMB and then maybe we can go back into your story of how you became involved and how it evolved, I guess? Sure, absolutely. So GMB, uh, we've been around for almost 15 years now, uh, been a while. And I had two business partners, Andy Fawcett and Jarlo Ilano. And we look at ourselves as educators. So I wouldn't say, we, yes, we are in the fitness realm, but we're more about educating people. And what are we educating people? On how to work towards physical autonomy. We're not about working out more. We're looking at moving better and being able to have a body that you can use for the things in your life that you want to do. So again, like I said, it's not a matter of working out more. It's what do you need to do in order to help you to play with your kids, to, to you know, whether it be squat down towards the ground, whether it be go and play on the monkey bars or something, um, surfing, um, you know, anything that you're after, we want to be able to help you to feel good about doing that. And really that's the main thing is how do you feel? So to us, that feeling is the most important thing. It's not really necessarily about how you look to be perfectly honest. And so we're really about the lifestyle of everything here. Yes, um, we do quite a few things in GMB at different levels in terms of what you need. And let's just say that We've changed considerably over the years in the sense that we've really, really focused on the methodology rather than a particular skill, if you will. But the skill for us, for everyone, is to practice skills. And we believe that everything that you do in life is a matter of practicing these skills, whether it be how to walk better. And most people don't even think about that. But like, how are you walking? And Remember, I'm talking about feeling. How do you feel when you walk? How do you feel when you sit down? How do you feel when you're driving, uh, playing with your kids, expressing yourself to other people? Like there's a whole realm in here, but we use these movements as the tool to help you to be able to work towards that autonomy. And again, it's the whole methodology and I could talk forever about this, but that's the basic thing is us helping you to be able to do the things in your life that you really enjoy and you want to be able to do for a long period of time. Okay. And I think we should definitely touch into the methodology and everything, but I also wanted to just point out your information is phenomenal. So like we all get tons of emails every day, but your guys's emails is the one I will actually open and read <laughs> and go and follow. like, I, it never fails. I don't think there's been one email that I didn't open. Thank you so, so much. Just, that makes me feel really good. Yeah. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. no, there's a lot of thought and um, you guys really care and you're very responsive. I, it's just phenomenal, guys. So definitely. Thank you so much. You're welcome. GMB stands for gold medal body, correct? Am I right in that? 
Yes, originally, and I apologize, my 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 background kind of changed on me. Sorry about that. Oh, it's anyway, all good. Um, yeah. <laughs> so originally, uh, gold medal bodies, and this came about, um, you know, like around 15 years ago. So Jarlo and I were actually together. Uh, we were with a different fitness organization. Um, I would travel quite a bit. So kind of background story, you know, I lived 28 years in Japan and a year ago I moved back to the United States. However, you know, those 15 years ago and even before that, I would travel to other countries teaching and Jarlo and I were together and in a car ride back from teaching uh, for that other fitness organization, Jarlo was like, hey, man, you should be teaching that stuff. And the stuff he was referring to was during a break. Uh, in the seminar, I was in the corner kind of doing my own thing and moving around. And a lot of people asked how to do those particular things I was doing. And so in that car ride, actually, Jarlo came up with the word, the, the part of me, the, um, the name gold medal bodies. And originally it was not that we want to be an Olympic athlete or something like that, but what does a gold medal body mean to you? In other words, there are many, many different events in the Olympics what do you need a body for? And so that's really what it was. And the only problem is that a lot of people misunderstood what we were really after. And um, so we shortened it to GMB Fitness, uh, which honestly is not the best word in the world because even though we're a fitness company, like I said, we're kind of anti-fitness to be perfectly honest. Uh, mm. We don't like the word working out, but we mm. prefer the word session. We have a session. Um, we're not out to, you know, as I mentioned, work out till you puke. Uh, we're just really looking at what do you need again? What do you need in order to live the life that you want? That's really what it is. And so that gold medal body is we changed again, the GMB Fitness. And it would be nice to change that again. <laughs> <laughs> I can appreciate it. I think my podcast has had like five names. I'm just like, oh. I'm just going to say <laughs> my name. <laughs> Well, that's, um, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. This is a simple, um, I'm curious, what is your background? Because you do yes. things that are quite remarkable. <laughs> so oh, well, thank you. Love, yeah. love to hear what your background is. Yeah, sure. So um, I started off in gymnastics at a very, very early age, uh, competed in gymnastics until I was 18 years old, actually. And uh, during that time, though, I also started martial arts. And so my background is gymnastics and martial arts. And so when I was 18, um, originally from Wichita, Kansas, and I left Wichita when I was 18 uh, for college. And then I ended up transferring over to a college over in Japan and um, pursuing martial arts in Japan. And so I had the opportunity to move into my instructor in Japan, uh, to his house, live with him and his family, um, studying Kendo, Judo, Yaido. And then I ended up after university, uh, college is the same United States. Um, I joined a, a martial arts complex. I worked there, which is located inside of a shrine in Osaka, Japan. And I worked there for eight years, um, basically just studying martial arts, but then also interpreting and uh, translating um, at the shrine. And so I had the opportunity to work with a lot of different martial art instructors at the shrine at this martial arts complex. 
and uh, everything from, like I said, you know, Judo, Kendo, Iaido, Shorinji Kenpo, Aikido, Daitoryu, Aikijujutsu. But um, my main thing, I still continue to study martial art and actually teach now uh, here in the United States. And uh, we call it the Jiyukai. And it's basically um, a group of like-minded individuals getting together to pursue the martial arts and do it in a way that's safe and meaningful um, without competition. So that's where we're at right now. So, yeah. That's awesome. Okay. There's a whole nother chapter I could spend. <laughs> I would Lots love. Stuff, yeah. Yes. Uh, wow. Eight years in a shrine. Uh, can you tell yes. me just what were some of the highlights or major lessons that you learned doing the work you were doing there? That sounds really intriguing. Well, no matter how much you think, you know, there's more stuff to be learned. And um, I was still really, you know, really young at the time. And um, the one thing that I did learn was it's always great to have a mentor. And my mentor was actually my boss. I, I was really lucky. So my boss was at the time he was 72 years old and it's just phenomenal. And the way that he would lead was just incredible. He would be he would always be giving examples by helping a person for the group if that makes sense so very small staff um but unfortunately there were two staff members that fought all the time and and which was pretty funny because one of the staff members was he was in his 60s and he would argue with this this lady who was in her 30s and i just remember that my boss, our boss would communicate to that person, to one of those, you know, one of those two, but make it like a group lesson. So everyone was there and you could hear what was going on and see what was going on. But the way that he did it, it was just, it was amazing. And I'll never forget that. And I know I'm being very, very vague what I'm talking about, but I just always remember that he was there for me, but he was there for all of us. And the way that he would teach was specifically to that person for the group. So it wouldn't always be the same. He would always change. What did that person need? What did that person need at that moment? Um, and this, what I'm getting at is really helped me in the way that I teach because I don't have a cut and paste way of teaching. I'm always looking at what does that person need? It's not, okay, I'm just going to give everyone the same thing. Well, let me rephrase that. I might be giving people the same exercise, but the way that I share it, the reframe is very important depending on what that person needs. And so, for example, they might need um, to back off and actually go slower and look at focusing more on the control compared to a person who might need to actually um, work specifically on their wrist strength, if that makes sense. And so it can be the exact same movement, but how you reframe it dependent upon that person is extremely important. Person that day might come in and say, um, you know what, I'm really looking forward to working out hard, but I actually didn't sleep well last night because my daughter was up sick and 
I'm kind of worried about her. So they don't need to push themselves hard that day. They actually will need something different depending on what that is. And so really by having this great mentor um, and seeing how he interacted and helped people for what they needed at that point, but again, making it a group lesson just really impacted me a lot. The other thing completely unrelated, but also related is um, I was forced to learn different dialects uh, because there were so many different people that were coming in as well. There were for me, because I was interpreting as well as the translation was different, but when you interpret, you're having to go off of what that person is saying and making sure that the person that you're communicating to understands. So sometimes it's not a direct translation, of course, they're part, part of me interpretation. And so we had a lot of people from Europe. And so I had to also get good at understanding that I'm from the United States and I can't hold a particular belief, if you will, in thinking it has to be this way. And I have to try and say, okay, this person is possibly thinking of this way. How can I convey this message in a way that's going to help them? So you have to put yourself in their shoes and not try and have blinders and thinking, well, this is the way I've always done it, therefore X. And so every instructor that came in had a little bit, their Japanese was a little bit different in terms of they might be a male from this part of Japan at this age. And so therefore, when I would communicate, um, obviously I'm gonna to have to communicate through my voice, but like I said, make it so that this person could understand, but then first of all, try and understand where that person is coming from. Um, they might be a white belt, they might be a black belt, you know, so depending on their level as well. So I really learned at, for lack of better terms, how to read people and what they trying to convey, and then also trying to make that message as clear as possible. So like right now, I'm just like spewing out a bunch of stuff, but when it comes to, in, you know, interpreting and things like that, you need to convey that message in a way that's going to help that person in the simplest way possible. And this helped me, uh, especially with GMB, is when we're cueing people. So when I'm actually teaching, I'm not giving multiple things for them to focus on. I focus on a single thing, a single thing. That's all. And you focus on that. And once they get that, then we can start to add something in. But if you're telling them something like, okay, now I'd like for you to split your fingers, turn your uh, fingers out to the side. I want scapular elevation as well as anterior pelvic tilt. I mean, it's just like there's so much stuff going on here that they're going to get lost. Instead, how can you take a single cue and one that's really going to help the bulk of everything? So, for example, if I were to just say, push your hips up into the air. Great. That's going to lengthen the spine. It's going to give you scapular elevation. It's as well going to help with the lumbar. So depending, of course, on the movement that you're after, but this is something in GMB that we really try to focus on or external cues and only one so that the person can focus on the feeling that they have in their body and really be able to just focus on that, that on performing that movement and practicing it. So, you know, having the opportunity to be in Japan, work with these different people, then try to have to, you know, communicate that way really helped me. 
uh, in ways that I didn't even fathom until later down the road when I started teaching more, um, as well teaching in a different language. Um, also, uh, you know, one helps you with that particular language that you're using. But also, again, how can I convey this in a way people can understand right away, even if I might not remember a particular word in that language? Mm -hmm. So, for example, scapular elevation. Now, even in English, some people don't know what scapular elevation means. I'm, you know, we do, of course, but I want to teach in a way that's going to allow every single person in that group, if it's a group, to understand. And therefore, layman terms is what we need to use. Can you communicate without touching a person is also something that I'm very big in. Can you communicate without going and contorting and putting that person into a position? And this really, um, when people go through our, our trainer course, we call it the apprenticeship. And the reason that we call it that is because we feel that it should be similar to an apprenticeship. It's not just a weekend certification. It should be something where you're gradually brought in and you learn these skills. And one of those skills is, can you teach by using your words and communicate what you would like them to do? And so, um, yeah, coming back to, you know, me being in Japan and, and going to Tokyo sometimes to teach, the dialect I was using when I was in Osaka is different than the dialect in Tokyo. So there's that as well. So teaching not just to your group, but also being able to read the room and understand if something was lost or not. So lots to unpack there, but my time over in Japan was just phenomenal. Just a lot of great opportunities for me to be able to learn uh, and just try basically to be a better, a uh, better teacher. Yeah. Mm. Now, it sounds like you learned the, a lot of skill sets, but it kind of builds around the art in um, the world of communication. Basically. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. The listening piece, the speaking piece. Um, I appreciate everything you're saying as a, because you know, I, I was trained in person, obviously touching people, listening to people. So oh, necessary. Yes. Yeah, yeah. When you first do telemedicine and as a family medicine doctor, it was I was really nervous because I'm like, how am I going to evaluate someone and elicit the information I need to make a diagnosis, a potential treatment? Because exactly. am I gonna miss something more serious? So I really appreciate that and explaining things to people to help them. But like you said, I prescribe let's say a whole food plant-based diet or exercise yeah. or anything, you do have to break it down. And because everyone comes in from a different knowledge base there. Exactly. It's a very, very true. No, I, I think that's amazing. Yeah. You're very good at that in the programs. Um, and I appreciate the breaking down pieces. And then you can see it when you're doing the practice, the actual full movement. And I was like, Oh, this makes sense. Why I was doing that. You know, why am I, why am I, you know, doing my wrist and that just that bouncing and like, well, now I understand why, because the way I'm moving with this. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's a, it's a lot of fun. Um, okay. Well, I feel like there's some things you can teach me how to, uh, <laughs> further, which is amazing. Um, but as far as, so you have this experience with gymnastics and then the martial arts yes. and then you're marrying these two and then GMB evolves. Tell me a little bit about your partners and what they do 
and then how you guys decided how you were going to actually build this. Because I know you have older programs and you have your newer yes. programs. Um, yeah. But yeah, please. Excuse me. Yeah, sure. Well, first and foremost, the three of us are all martial artists. And so that's that's our background. And so um, very, you know, different styles, if you will, which is which is great because as people were very different, very, very different. I, I actually think that's what's kept us together <laughs> over the years. Yeah. Um, you know, we fight and whatnot, but but what I mean is, you know, we each have our our main skill set. Um, little joke the way that I say, but it kind of is. I'm the dancing monkey, so I'm the one who who designs the programs, gets in front of the video and teaches and demos all the stuff, and so. Jarlo, uh, physical therapist, um, many, many years. And so a lot of the methodology that we have, for example, our AAA framework, which is where we assess where you are, we address the issue that you might have, and then we apply the proper protocol necessary to help you towards your goal. Obviously, that came about through Jarlo's practice and treating many people use, you know, change it slightly to adapt, to make it for where we want, but you have that. And then Andy's background as an educator, Andy also lived in Japan. It still is actually in Japan right now. As an educator looking at, well, when we're going to lay out how we do our sessions, how should that be? And so that came about and we call them the five P's. And so this is where we start off by looking at, okay, what are we going to practice today? Now that's actually number two, but first you got to know what's your main thing that you're going to practice that day. And so once you have that, then you can start your prep and your prep is, you know, some people will call it a warm up, but we're not just trying to warm up the body. We're trying to prep the major joints in order to make sure that we're good and ready to practice the thing that we want to practice that day. The other thing too, is that we don't focus on repetitions. We focus on performing a single repetition, as I like to say, as beautifully as possible, and then try it again. And so by moving away from these repetitions, then we can focus on the quality of movement and get in volume. And so this is where we're not chasing 10 repetitions and just saying, I got to hit 10 repetitions or I'm a bad person, or I've got to hit 12 repetitions or else I failed. No. You do one repetition as beautifully as you can, and then you try it again. And when your form breaks down, you have two options. You can move on, or you can move down to a variation of a movement that you can still keep the form and then add in other volume and continue with that. So that's the practice. We have prep, we prep the body, and we look at a duration of time. And so in this case, let's say something very simple we could do like uh, wrist circles, and we say, okay, you're going to do that 30 seconds in one direction, 30 seconds the opposite way. How many repetitions did you do? Don't know. Doesn't matter. Okay. You did quality repetitions though. And that's all that matters. Typically we'll have, we'll have about five prep movements. Again, trying to hit the major joints, prepping you for that. So it's a minute. So that's like five minutes. So one minute, one minute, one minute, one minute for five minutes. And then for the practice, this really depends on 
what you're up to that day. We don't usually practice more than two movements. The reason for this is if we look at priorities. Priorities are like arms, can't have more than two. And as a matter of fact, there is only one priority, okay? But nowadays you have the term priorities, okay? But the way we're thinking is, okay, let's just, just have two. Anything more than two is gonna be information overload. Similar to what I was talking about cues. So let's say that we have these two particular movements that we're going to practice today. Well, we can determine how much we wanna practice that day depending on how much time we have that day. And so let's say that we're performing, um, we're gonna do 10 minutes of practice. So we can divide it into five minutes for one movement, five minutes for the other movement. This does not mean that we're going to perform that movement continuously for those five minutes. What this means is like I said before, we're gonna try that particular movement at the best ability, uh, at our best ability, at the highest level uh, that we can, performing it as beautifully as we can, step away, take a, take a break. When we're feeling good, we'll try it again. Now, practice is for getting better at that particular skill. This is where we can introduce new movements and work at a level that's going to be safe and where you're going to actually feel good about doing this movement. It's not to try and discourage you because you might not be able to do the movement. Because we're always trying to look at, okay, what can you do? And that's the most important thing. Even if there's a movement where you see in our demo or you know, in Praxis, which is our platform that we have our programs, you see a new movement, we don't want you to go, yeah, I can't do that, I'm done. Okay, there's going to be movements like that in life that we have. The most important thing to say is, okay, that looks pretty tough, but what part of that can I do? And if you look at it that way, you can always start. And that's really the important thing. So, you know, like they say, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. You, you got to break it apart. You got to focus on what you can do. And then you just do that. And then with practice over time, you gain a better understanding, confidence in your body, start getting stronger, proving your flexibility as well as your control. And then one day you realize, oh my goodness, I can do this movement. But the other thing that we also need to understand is, does this movement serve me or serve you? There might be movements where you just don't need, and you know what, that's perfectly fine. And so what part of that move, movement though does serve you? Might be a movement where you're like, wow, that wrist, that will really help my wrist. Cool, focus on the wrist. So we have our prep, we did our practice. Move into the play portion of the movement now. Now play, play is typically something you don't find in too many workouts. A lot of people think, what are we gonna do? Go to the playground, swing on the monkey bar, something like that. Could, but when we talk about play, we're simply looking at taking a movement that you're already comfortable with that you have experience with, and then exploring the, the movement. So this could be, for example, if you have a push-up. Now let's say up until now, you know, hopefully when you do your push-ups, you keep your elbows in, you don't let them flare because we don't want to hurt our shoulders. But let's say this time that when you're doing your push-ups, you stagger your hands. And you say, okay, so if I do this push-up and I stagger my hands, what does it feel like? Again feeling. This is bringing the feeling back, not looking at, um, will this work my upper pec, upper chest, which, sorry, I just, 
I'm not trying to make fun of people, but that just always cracks me up. Um, anyway, um, we're trying to move beyond just simple body parts and look at how does this affect the body in a positive way? Y yay or nay is basically what it comes down to. Does this feel good or not? If it doesn't feel good, don't do it. That's it's simple as that. And if this is something that you want to do, again, what can you do? And the way to figure out what you can do is, okay, does this feel okay when I do it? If it does, cool, you're good to go. And that's how we can actually look at movements now, rather than saying, oh, I can or I can't. Um, we don't want these limiting factors in there. And we don't want a person to try something and say, oh, yeah, I couldn't do that movement, so I skipped my workout that day. No, we don't. We don't. There's no reason for that. Um, I can get into autoregulation in a bit, all those days where it is good to skip your workouts. But continuing through here, we have that play where we're exploring a movement. Now, next, we have push. So prep, practice, play, push. The push is where the majority of people live in their workouts. This is where you literally push yourself. But similar to play, you're using a movement that you're already comfortable with in that you're familiar and you have experience with it and you can perform it at a level of high, high quality. And the reason being is because we are going to push ourselves, as I mentioned, but we're going to do this through time. So we could set our clock for like 45 seconds, maybe a minute. And I would like for you to perform that movement the entire time. Now, there might be a movement where you start off, let's say it is the push-up, where you can perform quality push-ups, nice and slow, but 30 seconds in, you, you realize your hips are starting to sag. This is getting really tough. Well, you don't need to stop. You can drop your knees to the ground. You can modify and adjust the movement to a point where it allows you to continue performing a variation of that movement, high quality. You're still going to get stronger. You're still working on your flexibility. You're still working on your control. So therefore, you are making improvements. But the other thing, too, improving your endurance strength, <clears throat> also your confidence and overall physical autonomy in your body. So, um, you know, it could be a circuit. It could be a superset, whatever it is in our program. We like to focus on that time because, again, it allows you to focus on quality repetitions. Now, could finish off in here uh, also in push. Uh, could be where you could find some of the stretches. Um, the stretches for us, why are they in push? It's because when you stretch, you're actually pushing yourself. They shouldn't just be so easy that they're not doing anything. There are times for recovery, but if we're looking at it in terms of wanting to improve our flexibility as well as our mobility, then we should be pushing ourselves just a little bit, not to the point where we're hurting ourselves, of course. And then we finish up with ponder and ponder is where you reflect on the session. What went well? What could I have done you know, a little better? What do I need to focus on for next time? And this could be 20 to 30 seconds, but this is very important because it's not just a matter of, oh, that was horrible. I failed or, oh, that was great. I'm sitting in a you know, puddle of sweat and whatever. Okay, this is really looking at making sure that you always have a good session. And to me, I think that every single session is a success if you learned something. It doesn't matter if you couldn't do something that you couldn't do before. Let's look at why you couldn't do that. Think about it. Oh, I couldn't do that today because actually 
you know, I got this little, you know, thing going on in my shoulder. And it was better that I didn't do that because I don't want to, you know, make it worse. Cool. You just had a successful session. You're going to be making improvements. And the other thing is that I don't think we should be focusing on trying to crush a workout. I think we should focus on a good workout. In other words, having a moderate workout to me is more important than having a workout where you're like, yeah, that was so hardcore and I crushed it. The reason why is the more moderate workouts that we can have over time, that moderate level increases and we see incredible results over the long run compared to just crushing it, having to recover, then trying to crush it again, and then actually never seeing results. And this is why I tell people, listen, just, just show up. Just show up and start the prep. Start moving your body. And this is where you can decide, am I going to continue with this session or am I going to look at a low intensity session or a lower intensity session? And a lot of people think that because you're doing a lower intensity session or you're not crushing it, that you're not making results. But as I just said, if you look at the long run and look back after a year, those add up. Those add up because you stepped on the mat and you were consistent and you went at a pace and an intensity level that's good for you that day. And we call that auto-regulation. And this is where even though something might be written on a piece of paper that today's your air quote hard session doesn't mean that's going to be good for you that day. So it comes back to what do you need? How does it feel? And that to me is the most important thing. And this is exactly how I train in my martial arts as well right now too. You know, I'm 51 years old. I'm not going to get on the mat with a 23 year old who's looking to crush it that day. I was there when I was young. I apologize to all the older martial artists who I felt I needed to crush back then, but I'm not there right now. I'm going to take care of my body, both physically and mentally, by focusing on what I need that day. And therefore, I'm going to say, yes, I'm good to do this, or I'm going to say, no, I'm good. I'm not good to do that. And you know what? Either one is perfectly fine. Instead of thinking, oh man, I, you know, I didn't do that today. I, I, I failed and blah, blah. No, 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 you didn't. If you're listening to your body, if you're being true to yourself, then that's all that matters. And so this really in GMB is what we're after. It's not me on the screen showing a movement and having you try to mimic me. This is also why in the programs, I don't demonstrate the movements unless it's COVID period videos because I was the only one who could shoot them. But, but you know, I, I try to bring in my trainers and different bodies, give examples of people doing these movements because it's not you looking at that video and thinking it has to be that way. It's simply an example of a movement for you to be able to bring the awareness inside of you to say, okay, how does this feel?
can I do this or not? If I can't do it, what can I do? And I'm going to start here. And this is why it's actually very difficult for me to do social media. It's always been because it's so show off, look at me sort of thing. And in the early days where it was, it was, um, and I know I really went off on a tangent and we went through the five P's. I apologize. No, for that. I love but, it. No, that was fantastic. But in the early days when we first started, it, it really was, it was me doing tricks. That's really what it was. And our programs, I still stand by our programs in the beginning. I still think they're great. They're fun. But they were mainly repetition based. Uh, they were the standard, um, excuse me, the first, the first semi-official program we have is called Rings One, uh, Gymnastic Rings. And it was basically for people who just, they didn't want to go to the gym. And I, I can't remember the, I'm thinking... Goodness gracious, 51, if we look at 50, so like, you know, around you know, 35 years old. Mm -hmm. It was 35 year old coming back and doing the rings, demonstrating all this stuff. And I was just trying to say, hey, listen, there's another way. And you can have fun. You can have fun with your workouts. Here's an example. And then we have the rings. And then we do the parallettes. And then we have the floor. And because we're really bad at naming programs, we call the first one rings one, which meant I had to create a rings two, you know, like, so um, we don't offer those, those uh, programs anymore. Um, and again, the reason why is those were mainly focused on getting certain skills rather than now, I just look at these movements as tools in the toolbox that can help you to meet your needs. And therefore, what do you need? And this can help or this might not help. Because just like a tool, it's either going to be necessary or not. And that's it. Instead of saying, oh, I wanna get this shiny sparkly thing. Okay, great, I mean, but why? And that's really what it all comes down to is why. You know, I remember so many people, I really want to get the, the full front splits. And it's not my place to tell you yes or no. But as a coach, I'm always like, okay, cool. I could totally help you do that. But, but why do you want them? Well, I need those four X. And then I'll say, okay, but do you really? And sometimes it's a matter of, oh, actually, you're right. I actually don't need that range of mobility. I'm good enough with this. I'm like, cool. That makes it easier on you. And they're like, oh yeah, that's right. And so it's similar to, um, yeah, I want six pack abs. Okay, great. Once you have the six pack abs, what then? Well, let's get at the heart of what you really want. Because I can help you get what you want, but more importantly, I want to help you get what you need. And a lot of people don't know what they need. And that's the difference between a, just a coach and a great coach is they are also giving you what you need as they're giving you what you want. And, and so that's what I'm constantly trying to focus on being better at. How can I help that person really truly to get what they need? like without them even really kind of realizing it, you know? And like, 
a month later, I'm like, hey, by the way, here. And they're like, oh, my goodness. I just, yeah, you're right. I don't have any more back pain anymore. And I'm just like, well, cool. One million dollars. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But but this is the thing, too, is, is you know, as I get older, as I get older, I'm just really trying to, for one, get to the heart of the matter, get to, you know, just, hey, let's just put it all on the table and just be like, does this serve me? <laughs> if not, bye-bye. And, and I think that the sooner we can do that, I think the better off we're all going to be um, for everything that we do. I'm talking about, you know, our fitness right now, but I do this for everything, you know, does this, Hey Ryan, you should read this new book. Okay, cool. I check it out and sorry, if it doesn't serve me, I'm not going to waste my time reading it. It could be like the number one top bestseller in, in a gazillion years. But if it doesn't serve me at that point in my life right now, then I'm just like, hey, I'm cool. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people have difficulty figuring out what they really should be doing, to be honest, because there's so many outside influences and people saying that they should be doing something. So I don't really want to get in the way of people truly if they truly know what they want and their why i'm not going to get in the way i want to help them and give them what they need as well but if a person i feel is kind of being unsafe if you will sure i'll give my opinion mm -hmm. but it's not me to hold a person's hand though no, and you know to get them to figure out what they really you know their why so yeah it's oh, a tricky one it's tricky yeah it's tricky well, yeah I love the philosophical approach to this because um, it kind of, there's so many things that I was making notes here as we're going through <laughs> it go down. Um, but the rabbit hole I think would be interesting that I spoke to a lot about is um, helping patients because I'm always, you know, seeking to help them move to healthier lifestyles, be it fitness, eating, whatever. As uh, I started asking my intake, like, what are your values? Like, what are the top three values you have in life? And then um, it was really interesting. I had a patient actually, when I did finally have my appointment with her, she goes, you know, nobody's ever asked me that. And I, I didn't know how to answer. And she started crying. It was really an interesting response. So I think this kind of leads me to my question is, um, how do you help someone find their way? Because I know there's the five whys, right? You can have someone say, okay, why you want to lose sure. 20 pounds? Then sure. they give you an sure. answer, like, and you just keep going. Um, yeah. So I'm curious, you know, is it, they finally get to their why or is it um how do they how do you know like this people we, like you said we're always doing something but we never sit down and reflect and have the opportunity to just kind of be quiet in our own heads without some type of you know media influence sure. or tv sure. going um how do you approach that conversation with someone or how do you get them to start thinking in a different way because we are all about checklists and crushing it and yeah, I'm just curious. There's certain, um, so we have our community called the Alpha Posse, which is tongue in cheek. Um, alpha. Um, <laughs> uh, where we encourage people to post what they're doing on there. And we also have what's called, um, well, when a person joins, they go through this, this, introduction course, if you will. 
where we go through, okay, why are you here? What do you want to do? Things like that. To get them start to thinking of that way. But the thing about it is, is it can be very difficult to actually, you know, unpeel that onion and, and get right down to that last layer. It's psychologically, I mean, we're talking, there could be trauma. There's like stuff. We are not, that's not us in terms of, I'm not going to try and pretend to be um, a counselor, if you will. All I can do is give prompts to help you work on that. Now, the way, though, is in doing. And I'm not talking checklists. I'm talking getting on the mat. And that, this is my martial art background. This is everything to me. Um, my phrase and everybody, you know, they, they joke about it, but I'm always saying, step on the mat. Step on the mat. All the answers you need are in taking action. And sometimes we can get caught up if we overthink. Now, there has to be a balance. This is my personal opinion, okay? Social media, get off of it, get away from the TV, get all this. Sit down with yourself. I think, I know not many people can do this nowadays. My son, my daughter is the same. We will go somewhere and like waiting on something i don't even know it doesn't matter we're just waiting for something and they're freaking out and it's not even been a minute and they're like i'm so bored i'm like we can talk or we can just sit and be quiet you know like they just can't do that anymore so this is actually something that we bring my wife and i we do talk to my kids about now my kids know every single morning i've got my little room and i'm in there and i do my zen buddhist uh zazen is I, I sit and meditate every morning sit with myself i do that actually a couple times a day but the thing of it is though if we can't sit quietly with ourselves, how do we expect to be relaxed how do we expect to converse with other people when we're just in our heads the entire time right one way that really helps is as I mentioned, step on the mat. Do things where you bring attention to your body in order to cut out all the other stuff that's happening and you're thinking about what do I want to eat for lunch? And oh my goodness, I got to do this. Blah, 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 blah. You, know, you know, turn it off. The way to do that is step on the mat. So therefore, stepping on the mat is the counter, if you will, to sitting quietly with yourself. So I feel that there has to be this balance in order to have that balance. And so, again, the way isn't doing. And so not having tons of information, but focusing on a single thing similar to meditation, if you're sitting and focusing on your breath, okay. But getting on the mat and saying, okay, you're going to do the bear walk. And you're going to do this bear walk. And the only thing I want you to think about is pushing your hips up into the air. Yeah, Ryan, but I want to, oops, not going to, just do it. Hips up into the air and push. And this is the other thing too, is there's so many people over coaching out there. And I'm not just talking in the fitness world. I mean, look at how many people feel the need to comment on everything. Like 
that blows my mind. It just completely blows my mind. Like, you could be standing in line and someone feels the need to say something about another person. Oh my God, look at what she's wearing. Mm. Like, sorry. But to me, that just, I'm just always like, whoa, okay. Anyway, I see that a lot more having moved back to the United States. There's a lot of things I'm still processing. But <laughs> what, what I'm getting at though the is- trauma. <laughs> yeah. But I'm not trying to say I'm perfect and all this stuff. No, far be it. I'm still like, still learning. But the way for me, as well as all of our clients, is they got on the mat. They did these things. And instead of there being a checklist, all we're doing is saying, just do that thing. Just do the thing. Just do it again. Just do it again. Nope. Go ahead. Just today, do it again. And similar to meditation, similar to... Um, raking the leaves, similar to, as I mentioned, of eating the elephant, one of these days you, you, you kind of wake up and go, oh my goodness, I, all of a sudden I'm, I'm here. And that's really what I've been after. Maybe you didn't even know it. And so how do we really do this instead of just focusing on, you know, that checklist is first of all, know your why have a goal and what can simply mean for I want to be able to sit in my chair and not have my lower back hurt that is an awesome goal that is an awesome goal okay cool so by using ponder at the end of your session or even the end of your day you can reflect back and say okay where are you now and it doesn't need to be a scale of one to ten it could simply mean Oh, wow, I'm feeling pretty good today. Okay, cool. Step on the mat tomorrow. Let's keep going. But it can also help you to look at it another way. I'm not feeling so good today. What did I do today that made me feel this way? Oh, yeah, I did that. Okay, that makes sense. I'm not going to do that tomorrow. It's simple awareness. And um, it's just like food, if you're talking about food. Are we aware of what we put in our mouth every day? Most people aren't. And they're like, oh, I eat really healthy food. Do you? Do you really? Like, you know, and no judgments at all. No judgment. It's simply, let's be aware. Let's just simply be more aware of what's going on. And this is something I'm really trying to focus on, having being back in the United States. It's just being more aware because my body has completely changed since I've, I've moved back completely. Mm. It's crazy. I'm aware of it. And mm. I say, okay, you know, my ankle, my lower back, you know, my shoulders. Um, I sit more than I ever have. And I drive more than I have. And I couldn't tell you how long. Mm. And if you understand what's going on, that's when you can start to make those changes, whatever that might be. So mm. I hope that answered the question. I kind of went off there again, but but again, no. for me, it's just stepping on the mat and being aware and 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 not getting caught no. inside of your head by sitting down and just giving yourself time to be with yourself. Yeah. Very important to me. Yeah. Very important. Yeah. It's really fascinating because I, I don't believe in coincidences. I think 
you know, universe, God, whoever you want to say yeah. these things together at a particular reason. And I'm listening to a book. I, when I walk, um, I love to like do audible and just, Sweet. you know, That's just kind of sing, um, and with take my dog crazy Daisy. Oh um, yeah. But, <laughs> um, but interesting is the book is, um, uh, the comfort crisis is, um, I love that book. It's, absolutely love it okay yes the boredom piece is really amazing because i reflect back when i was a kid um 10 years ago and we knew never to speak the word boredom to our parents because they would promptly put you to work at some task oh, yes. in the house or whatever right so we would take boredom as the opportunity to go and play and be creative and i'm really sitting here and one of the experts he quotes often in the book is my friend jed brewer who's a mindfulness expert at um, Brown University in, in Rhode Island. And um, I'm just, and I'm sitting there thinking about this boredom and I'm thinking maybe I need to prescribe boredom to my patients. I, my personal opinion, yes. Sorry to interrupt, but yes. I, I am amazed. And then, and then my mind goes, how do I tell someone to go get bored? Right. And that's <laughs> the thing. But see, we, this is, and that? this is what I do. I mean, it's so crazy. It's, it's, oh, I am bored. I don't understand how people can be bored. That's, I just, it just yeah. blows my mind. I'm just like, I would love to step away from, not right now. Okay. Right, Being able right, to talk right. with you is different. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. would love to just take my phone and just throw it in the toilet and just like, and just yeah. sit yeah. and just sit. And just, mm -hmm. oh, it's, I mean, there's so many quotes, but The Comfort Crisis, I absolutely love that book. Yes, yeah. I'm I'm almost done with it and I will be hunting down. I'm very good at hunting down people, as you're aware. <laughs> it took a few emails that I found you. You've um, got to get, yeah, get him on there and, and yes. you know, let him know that I would love to talk with him too. But, but okay. yeah, he's also got his, uh, The Scarcity Brain, his, his next book oh, I, that just okay. came out. Yeah. Oh, see, that's that's a great way to get authors on the podcast. Is like, can I yes. interview you about your book? There you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, great. coming back to it's it, you know it's that awareness. I think oh. I I really think that a lot of us hold fear too much fear recently mm. in being not necessarily by yourself of thinking that we're not doing something. I really think we're at that point in our lives where. If I'm not doing something, I'm not moving towards my true life goals. You know or, what I mean? Do you think it's that? I don't even think we have that high like level of awareness of like wanting to always be active. I think we've just lost the skill of being within ourselves and sitting yeah. and thinking and reflecting. Honestly, I think yeah. because I look at my kids so my kids are you know like i mentioned earlier like in their late 20s uh -huh. i was kind of lucky because i was in this little pocket of time we had some you know interesting technology assets that were helpful but my kids were kind of not so interested because we've always been active they always played yeah. sports we've always hiked we've always done stuff outside you name it um but now now these kids like you'll go to a restaurant and see families oh, and these little ones they're just looking at a screen i'm oh. like they're give them a Absolutely. box yeah <laughs> yep. give them some crayons yeah uh, it's well it's i don't even do they even have those at a restaurant anymore like this was something i was thinking about because uh in japan when my kids were you know <clears throat> they weren't allowed well we didn't give them our phones 
there's no way. But I remember going to restaurants in Japan and there were still, depends on the place, but they would still have crowns and, you know, things where they could write. Yes, there. I I mean, I don't know. We don't go out to eat here, to be honest. But I mean, of course, they're at that age where it's a little weird anyway. But right. Yeah, that just made me think as soon as you said that. Wow, that's interesting. But bring a yeah. coloring book, bring yeah. some crayons with you in yep. your diaper bag or whatever. Yeah. I mean, there were some restaurants I recall when the kids were little um, that there was like paper and crayons, which was always great. But, you know, instead of bringing the screen, bring something else for them to play yeah. with, you know, um, it was just it is. But I, I really think that we've lost the ability to sit and reflect and that makes people anxious and yes nervous, and then they think they're lonely um but the problem is i think they need to be alone that may be right no key. i i totally agree yeah the other thing a little cut off but yeah. it blows me away how many people do not know how to navigate and i'm literally meaning navigate from point a to point b without gps yes yes and and because you know moving back to where we are uh when you drive there's literally nothing around and my wife is just like oh my god like there's no her thing was if i get lost i don't think i'm gonna be able to get back because you know she's not used to living out in this area but my kids were just like well how do i go to this thing i'm just like you just like figure it out and i think that's what i'm getting at is that yeah nowadays you know the internet is fabulous it is so amazing because on this little box yeah we have all the answers air quote again um in there but i think the problem is that a not not a lot of people are willing to take the time to figure them out themselves and I think that can sometimes be sad, especially with kids, uh, especially my daughter. You know, how do I do this? Well, figure it out. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. she's like, well, yeah. <sighs> you know, I'm like, come on now. So uh, maybe <laughs> I'm just getting skills. old. And, yes, no, exactly. no, I, I worry about AI is, as brilliant as AI is that we are even making it harder for ourselves because <laughs> now yeah. we've even lost the process of thinking about anything yes, writing exactly. right. skills yeah. um but yeah no i think there should be like boredom camps for kids or something because we we're doing a real disservice for our future generations and it's a good idea actually yeah it's frightening yeah. to think about no literally just go and sit or go and walk in you know, you'll have no technology with you for days. And it was interesting. There's uh, one of the ones, if you remember in the um, Tumblr crisis, he was, and I'm going to hunt her down too, because I'm going to Boston to see my daughter where she's living. And one of these, uh, the PhD student was uh, Rachel Hopman, I believe. But anyway, I just started kind of digging into her research, but they were talking about time in nature. So 20 minutes, yeah. three times a week. Yeah. And then and, and, that would be yeah. great. Or three yeah. days. And this yeah. is something too in Japan, uh, shinrin yoku in Japanese is forced bathing is what it's yes. called. And there's yes. so much research on that. And this is something that I'm very much into as well. And just, I, again, coming back here where I grew up in the, you know, you just go out and I was playing in the creek and, you know, literally in the creek, climbing trees, you know, doing all this other things. And 
you just don't really see that too much anymore. And so I think that this goes hand in hand, especially um, that was a huge part also of my martial art, because this is something that I don't find so much over here. Sorry, I'm going off on a little tangent, but where we would actually work out outside. That was very big. Yeah. And so little things like, for example, in the winter, there are two major training uh, sessions. Um, doesn't matter mar what martial arts you're doing in Japan. It's pretty much this way where it's the winter training, the summer training. And what it is, is to, to absorb nature, if you will. And so in the winter, it was brutal. Uh, we would go up early in the morning and no air, no uh, heating, no nothing. We'd train, uh, the windows would be open. And so, you know, all there. And then afterwards we'd go out and run in the snow barefoot. I'm not kidding. And um, we that's a week long practice. And in the summer, it's the same, but basically it's just crazy hot. And you'd finish by running and jumping into the ocean. It was just amazing. And so this is something that I want to bring to our group here. And they're not going to like it. They're not going to like it. But, you know, I think it is important to to really have that connection with being outdoors that we have sorely lost. Yeah. So I'm curious because they speak also because I um in the comfort crisis about misogi. Misogi, exactly right. Yeah. I do that still. So, yeah. I think really? it's yes. Yeah. So I'm 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 torn in my head um because yeah. I want to uh start educating patients about different things they can do to get out of a rut. I spoke about misogi yeah. yesterday. I do like these lives and I was curious um what would be your approach because I had to be mindful that some people you know, if I, they're like one of the, I can't remember the gentleman's name, Elliot, something in the book where they, he's like, his Misogi is once Intense. a year, 50, 50% yeah. right. chance of they just, right. just don't die. And 50% yeah, chance right, right. you might reach it. But for right. me, I'm thinking, <laughs> have people that might get injured. I'm curious, right. what is your approach uh, to a Misogi? Mine is a little bit different. Mine is more along the lines of how we would do it in Japan. Um, and I spoke earlier of having that moderate level. Mm -hmm. Now that is the bulk of the time. And that's actually how we would train as well. Okay. But interspersed, interspersed, sorry, with um, typically every three months, you would have a misogi mm. where it would just be like, it was high. Okay. But it wasn't to the point where it's like, I might die. No, mm. no. Mm. It was simply something that you did that was it was tough it pushed you and this is very important not just physically but mentally that is really the most important part of this but typically the physicality of it is what really pushes you mentally okay right. and you know that right and so right. basically what it was every three months and this is how i look at it every three months there's something there and the reason for this is because by having that you actually look at your training for that mm. and so it's cyclical and so you can actually use it as a cycle if you will throughout the year and so and that's what i still do um mm. you know an example yeah i for years this is what it was like for on my 40th birthday i did 40 backflips oh my okay but the reason for that was that was my misogi i didn't know if i was going to be able to do it or not Cause it's not right. like I just crank out, but I knew that I could safely do it, but 
but I wasn't sure. Well, let me rephrase that. I could safely do back flips. I wasn't sure if I could safely do 40 back flips. But here's the other thing about Misogi that's also very important. You need to understand when to quit if need be. And that's the huge thing. And so it's not a do or die. It, it's not that. It's you do something that's very difficult, but you make sure that you're doing it in a way that it, it's still safe. And, and so um, the reason I like this a lot is because it's, it's not a group thing. It's an individual effort. And you decide what that thing is going to be. And the first one that you do is always going to be the calmest. It's going to start ramping up because what's happening is like anything, you're starting to build that physical autonomy as well as that self-awareness to know exactly what you can do so that you can start expanding that box. And, and just like being moderate, similar to these misogis, they're going to just improve. And it's pretty incredible what you can end up doing mentally with that. And I think that a misogi as well, to just throw this out, could be, it could be quite difficult for some people is from Friday evening until Monday morning, no social media, no phone, no interaction with any of that sort of thing. That could very well be a misogi. And and mentally that can really change you and you know we you know as they said in the book even just being outside let's say it's two days if you take a weekend and just be out in nature that can completely change uh, the mind and really bring you back to um focus if you will so yes this is awesome that you brought up misogi because that is a huge part of what i'm doing and, as I mentioned with this martial art group that we have, the Misogi, if you do it as a group, it should be defined according to each individual. Mm. And so even though uh, you do do it as a group, then we're always looking out for each other to make sure that you're not pushing that person beyond the thing. So it's not, it's not a 50 mile ruck march where the drill instructor is screaming at you that you better do it and, dig deep and whatnot it's mm -hmm. it's really you pushing yourself it's not about someone else pushing you mm -hmm. because the misogi is really where you dig deep in yourself mm -hmm. and you believe in yourself and that's really that's really the main part of uh, misogi at least in terms of in japan when i was doing it and my instructors mm -hmm. taught me yeah no that's it's really cool but i will say so i'm training for uh i have three three things i'm trying to do before my 54th birthday next year is and i'm using two trainings from you is the pull-up right oh and, nice um, and the pistol squats because i want to be able to do one on each leg and i love your start from the bottom up approach it's much easier um uh, <laughs> complete sense Thank to you. me and uh, the other thing is run a half marathon in less than two hours. And I've always been kind of a, Very I loved cool. running, but I've always been kind of slow. And um, so I'm doing these training and I'm doing my first marathon, half marathon. I've done plenty of half marathons, but I'm doing one with more intensive, more uh -huh. thoughtful approach uh, training at November 12th. And oh, right it's on. funny. So last, a couple of weekends ago, I'm running 10 miles and half of the, it's a two and a half uh, mile loop and half of it is uphill and then you're running oh, downhill, right? Okay. So it's funny because mentally speaking to myself and um, 
I took, I was like, how do I motivate myself? So it was kind of a misogi that day, but for me, it was like, you can do this, Lori, and trying to push the time. And I took a little bit of a playbook from David Goggins. Oh, yeah. like just, I just kept imagining him because on his social media, it's like him running and everything he's been through. He's got some interesting books. My my boys oh, yeah. around him. It's just like, Lori, stay hard. Stay hard. Stay Lori. hard. Just- <laughs> yeah. No, but that's good. And that's so important. Whatever else you do. So any tricks on help when they're getting to that hard part before quitting? Like, because I feel like people, we don't push ourselves to our potential. What are some ideas? Because you training in martial arts and gymnastics, I'm sure you have plenty of thoughts about how you can do that well. (laughs) So, yeah, this is, this is so funny. You mentioned that. So I remember, so I used to actually trail run like many years ago. So in Japan, I used to love it because the mountains over there are awesome. And I would always just say, next tree, next tree, next tree, next tree. And all I was doing is just getting to the next tree. And that could be like two hours, you know what I mean? But they're similar to what I do right now. And for me, that's typically just saying one more but not in the sense that you got to get one more in that sense it's it could be one more second it could be one more breath it could be whatever it is just one more just one more and so we know that if you if you are looking at repetitions or or whatever it might be it could be the third set could be the third set of something that you're doing the weight on that last few reps just feels lighter because you know you're coming to the end. That's just how it is. So if you're just thinking about it that way, that's another trick to be perfectly honest, almost Mm. there. And back when I, so I was in the Boy Scouts, I was an Eagle Scout. And so I remember that our big thing was when we were hiking just around the bend, just around the bend. It was just kind of a joke because you know it's not, but you're just like, you're just tired and you're like, Ugh, I just want to get down here. Just, uh, just over, you know, just around the bend, just around the bend. But that's kind of what it is. And so yeah. we we can do more than we think. We truly, truly can, but it's typically just a mental battle is all it is. Mm-hmm. And I do that. And I say just one more. And I do that when I work too. Like mm-hmm. I'll sit here and there's certain things where I'm just like, ugh, I don't, I, you know, I'm just like, okay, just one more, just one mm-hmm. more. And, and again, it, it's not like literally like make one more of what you're doing. Just one more second, one more minute, one more whatever. And this has kept me going hard, especially when I was in competitions, especially in competition, because I was, you know, just getting whatever it might be, like in judo or something like that. Anytime that you can tell that this person has kind of had enough, the shoulders drop. And so for me, it was just always one more, one more, you know, just staying in that position, just one more. If I could just stay in that position of it, just do one more here, I knew I'd be okay. And that's, that's, what's always really kept me. Although just don't go to the point where you go beyond that. And, and I lived there for many years. And so let's just say right now in my life, things are a lot more fun for me because I don't push myself like I used to. Um, but again, there's that balance, you know, and it's always good to know how far you truly can go. Mm -hmm. And then you realize, okay, I don't have to go that far and I'm still good to go. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, Yeah. Yeah. no, there's seasons in our life that you need. It's again, seasons, Yeah, winter, the summer, but doesn't mean that you 
sit back and don't challenge yourself. That's right. Appropriately. So because I, right. I think there's a speaking of social media, but there um there's there's an Instagram handle. It's like old lady gangs. Oh, that's I awesome. Love, I love them. They are amazing. They're like 60s and 70s. And I'm just like, all right, I'm intrigued. And so I just honestly love watching older women just knock it out of the ballpark. And so yeah. Um, well, this has been a lovely conversation. I well, thank you so well much. Yeah. Hour, but please tell everyone where they can find you guys because um, you do have a unique URL uh, domain. And so I really want everyone to check you guys out and consider sure. uh, utilizing your services. Yeah, thank you. So um, gmb.io, that's it. And um, if you go on to YouTube, Instagram, you can always find us at GMB Fitness. Um, I try and put out, um, I do put out an Instagram video Monday through Saturday, every single day. And then YouTube videos. I just actually posted a big YouTube video. Um, I've been actually trying to get back to doing more long form YouTube videos, um, and doing stuff like that. But yeah, that's about it. GMB fitness. If you ever have any questions or whatnot, before you buy anything, check out all the stuff that we have for free. Uh, make sure it's a fit for you. If not, hey, it's all good. And uh, if yeah, it is, though, you can always drop us, yeah, drop us a question. Uh, a real person will answer your email. So, yeah. they, they do. They really do. And um, so that's fantastic. We'll have the links. But, you know, I before, you know, I mentioned before we started, I'm going to, I'd like to start asking people um, this particular question. And for yeah. you is, what is a life well lived? Yeah, a life we live is one where you feel it's going to be kind of deep that you're good to die today. Hmm. And and that might sound a little strange, but the thing of it is, is you're like, you know what? If I die today, I'm cool. I'm cool. And it's actually something I think a lot about because it, especially recently, helps me to focus on what's important. Not what needs to get done, but what's important. And I think that there's a huge difference there. Instead of just doing that to-do to list on your thing, you know, focus on what's really, truly important and making sure that that has the focus so that if heaven forbid you were to die today, it's all good. Mm. So. I think that's a great motto. Are you good to die today then <laughs> done well so i think that's a fabulous way to end this but thank you again for your time thank you this was a lovely conversation and um thanks everyone for listening and uh definitely check them out gmb.io and uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll see you next time <laughs>